The Beatles are a pretty nice band, and we've got a lot to say. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfit a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine. Heads up, boogaloos, it's your boy Roger Corbier, along with Andrew Loudon once again. Today we're talking the one and only Ringo Starr, a.k.a. Richard Starkey. During his first few years after the Beatles, more specifically, we're talking today about Sentimental Journey, Who Cups of Blues, It Don't Come Easy, back with early 1970, Back Off Boogaloo, back with Blind Man, and the album Ringo, Simply Ringo. Um, Yeah. So let's get started, Andrew. Sentimental Journey. This was the first uh, post-Beatles album. Not that everybody knew that at the time. Uh, yeah. The Beatles were not broken up yet by Paul. <laughs> um, this was a few weeks before that, in March <laughs> 1970. Everyone's like, oh, good old Ringo. He's just releasing a standards album. Good for him. Um, pro- the problem is, for the most part, the songs kind of blur together. It feels like the powers that be figured the concept itself of Ringo singing on stairs was enough to carry the album through. Um, there are no risks taken except for one, which we'll get to. And there's nothing really interesting here, even though they employed different arrangers for each song. They each seemingly have that trumpet start and stop sting. Sting, you know, like... Meow, meow. Yes, it does. The the thing I, I kept thinking about as I was listening to this record was, Ringo broke up the Beatles for this? <laughs> Unreal. Backed with, Ringo didn't want Paul to release his album for this? <laughs> I mean, I, we talked about this uh, the past few episodes, um, where I brought out each member had to kind of let out their sillies, shake out the sillies before they started doing, you know, their mm-hmm. pop statements or, you know, what they were really going to do. Um, That's true. Post Beatles career. I guess this was his version of getting his sillies out of saying, hey, I'm just going to do a just do a standards record. So, sure. Why not? I will say, though, because I have never listened to this before. And hadn't, you know, ever really kept up with Ringo's solo career, albeit a few songs. I had zero context that this was going to be a standards record. <laughs> so I was looking at the track listing and I'm like, huh, I'm a fool to care? That's okay. And then I started listening to the songs like, oh, <laughs> this is what this is. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, he does a fine enough job. You can tell that he's having fun and these songs mean a lot to him as a child. So that's great, but ultimately it's pretty unmemorable. Yeah, um, and I was going to say, like, George was the only one who started off not shaking off his jellies, but he did with uh, Wonderwall music right? Uh, while he was still in the Beatles. And he had, I... he had some Zappel uh, Moog uh, album, I think. I forgot the name of it, though. So you're right. They all... I... They all had, had to do to it. Get it out of their system first. Yeah, I think that 
I mean, you could argue that the third disc of All Things Must Pass would be his version of sure, getting his sillies out. Too. The but, Apple Jam, you know, yes. Yeah, all the Apple Jam stuff. But, you know, he did bury it at the end of the thing, so you could easily not, you know. Yeah. But yeah he, did he, sad- he, he did saddle you with it. a triple record. <laughs> <laughs> could have been double. Eh, could have um, been a double. So, Sentimental Journey, uh, Rigo said... Um, he he was lost for a while after the breakup. Um, he's thinking, what do I do now? And I, he thought of all these songs that uh, he was brought up with. He says all the parties we'd had in Liverpool at our house, at all the neighbors' houses, songs my uncles and aunties sang, songs my stepfather sang. So I called George Martin and said, why don't we take a sentimental journey? Hmm. I'm sure that's exactly what he said. I'm sure. <laughs> So Ringo sang on every song. Um, the George Martin Orchestra backed him. Billy Preston played piano on I'm a Fool to Care, an organ on Love is a Many Splendored Thing. Um, each of the songs was arranged by a friend or associate of Ringo, uh, including Bye Bye Blackbird was arranged by Maurice Gibb. Klaus Vorman worked on I'm a Fool to Care. Paul McCartney arranged Stardust. Quincy Jones did Love is a Many Splendid Thing, and George Martin himself arranged Dream. And this is a thing that we're going to talk about throughout this entire episode, is that Ringo just brings the party. Like, he just brings in everybody under the sun for the hangs, which I think is great. His drinking buddies, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, the all-star band, two R's. You know, and he has so much goodwill built up, you know, that everyone wants to help him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the recording session took place between October 27, 1969 and March 6, 1970. Um, the long gestation period was due to Starr's other projects, which include acting in The Magic Christian, The Final Beatles Activities, oh yeah, Remember them? Sessions with George Harrison, Billy Preston, Leon Russell, and Doris Troy. Um, the front cover of Sentimental Journey showed the Empress Pub, which stood on High Park Street, Liverpool, a stone's throw from Star's birthplace at 9 Madrin Street. Look at that. Uh, the album was first announced in December 69 when it was given the title Ringo Stardust. That's uh, that's more magical sounding, I think. Yeah, I think, I think it's a better title. Released, of course, March 27, 1970 in the UK, two weeks before Sir Paul came out with his own question and answer. Infamous. Oh boy, yes. Uh, a promotional film was made, aka music video, for the title track, directed by Neil Espinall, filmed at the Top of the Town nightclub on March 15, 1970, uh, features Ringo um, with a cartoonishly large bow tie, and um, the one risk they took in this whole album—it's so weird. There's yeah. a Peter Frampton comes alive esque talk box backing vocal on it on this song. <laughs> it that was the most surprising part of the record for me too. That mm-hmm. odd moment, like but what? I, it, yeah, it starts that the, the title track is the lead track, and it's like, oh, maybe this will be interesting. Like, maybe they'll try other stuff. No. No. <laughs> no. Nope. Nope. 
But yeah, the track listing, Sentimental Journey, Night and Day, Whispering Grass, Bye Bye Blackbird, I'm a Fool to Care, Stardust Blue, Turning Gray Over You, Love is a Many Splendored Thing. That's probably the clue right there, that it's a standard zone. Yes. Dream. You always hurt the one you love. Have I told you lately that I love you? And let the rest of the world go by. So, Andrew, are there any songs that get a yeah on the Josie scale on Sentimental Journey? Uh, unfortunately, no. It, the whole record's a Josie for me. Uh, well, let's, I let's, think let's... there's some nice moments, like the sure. drum break in Stardust, but you're, I agree, Mr. Loudon. I'm afraid it's a Josie. Yeah. So later in 1970, here comes Boot Cups of Blues. Another album which where each song sounds like the last. Right. It's probably because the steel guitar is so prominent on all of them. Um, you know, but Ringo's voice matches the blues so well. I'll give him that. I think if more thought and time was put into the project, it could have been a lot more interesting. But, you know, Ringo beat Beyonce to a country album by 54 years. So. <laughs> Hashtag Beatles did it. Hashtag solo Beatles did it. <laughs> um, yeah, this reminds me actually of an album that came out 11 years after Bacoops of Blues, uh, Almost Blue by Elvis Costello and the Attractions. Mm-hmm. Um, similar thing, just go, we're going to go to Nashville and we're going to do a country record. Uh, unfortunately, that has a higher hit rate than mm. this does. Um, uh, but to be honest, this style of an album makes a lot more sense to me for Ringo versus a standards record, considering like in the Beatles, he had a proclivity to do some country songs like Act Naturally, for example. So you're right. This suits him's vibe a little bit more. And, you know, clearly the man loves a theme here. We're going to pick a thing and just drive it into the ground. You like blues? Well, have all the blues in the world. Yeah, and I never thought this is... I mean, when I think blues, I don't think country music, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that country didn't splinter yet Yeah. in 1970. Um, so, yeah, this was recorded over just three days uh, in June 1970, produced by Pete Drake. It was released September 25th, 1970. Um, your, your, your track listing, Boot Coops of Blues, Love Don't Last Long, Fastest Growing Heartache in the West, that's a good title, Without Her, Woman of the Night, I'd Be Talking All the Time, $15 Draw, Wine, Women, and Loud Happy Songs, Amen, baby, <laughs> I Wouldn't Have You Any Other Way, Loser's Lounge, <laughs> yeah, baby, <laughs> Waiting, and Silent Homecoming, uh, Steel guitarist Pete Drake appeared on All Things Must Pass. Ringo and Drake established a shared interest in country. And Drake persuaded the former Beale to take part in a session in Nashville. And basically, uh, Ringo's like, at first, Pete has this idea for Ringo. He's like, oh, I don't want to spend all this time. And and Pete's like, no, we can just do it in a few days. He's like, oh, all right. Um you know, in fact, Drake brought up Nashville Skyline by Bob Dylan that he it was recorded really quickly. And that convinced Ringo. Nashville Skyline, this ain't. No. But all the same, this album was actually less successful than Sentimental Journey. It failed to chart in the UK, but it peaked at 65 in the US Billboard 200. 
And in Canada, it reached number 34. So good for you, Canadians. You like your blues country. They like um, both kinds, country and western. <laughs> oh. Dan Aykroyd, he's Canadian, right? Yes. Okay, good. Um, the poor commercial performance led to Star refraining from recording another album until Ringo in 1973. In the interim, he focused on his acting career, which included Blind Man, That'll Be Today, and Merlin. Play, he played Merlin in Son of Dracula starring Harry Nilsson. Um, we'll get to that in a second um blind man specifically john lennon said i think it's a good record i wouldn't buy any of it i think <laughs> it's a good i think it's a good record i was pleasantly surprised to hear boot Coops of blues that song i felt good i was glad and i didn't feel as embarrassed as i did about his first record <laughs> jesus christ that's mincing the, no words ringo's probably like that's the best i'm gonna get out of john probably i'll take it yeah. Put that on the put that on the <laughs> put that on the back cover. <laughs> yeah, put that on the hype sticker. <laughs> not as not as embarrassed as the first. Not album. as embarrassed as I did about his first record. John Lennon. Gee. <laughs> oh, uh, the title track was released as a single in the United States with the Nashville outtake "Coochie Coochie" mm. on the B side. So do any songs get a yeah on the Josie scale? I would say no. Although I, the only song that perked up me ears was Nashville Jam, but that wasn't on the original album, and it's an instrumental. So. I, I feel the same way. None of these songs um, get a yeah for me, but both B-sides perked up my ears as well. I thought Coochie Coochie was the most interesting song on the whole record, or that, you know... Mm-hmm whatever and nashville jam was also pretty interesting to listen to so uh yeah confusing confusing feelings about this i'm confused andrew Lund. yeah <laughs> put that on your hype sticker all right now we're talking it don't come easy ah yes so this is a song i can't get tired of it's uplifting despite its initial message because of the angelic background vocals, it's like a good friend telling you, look, it's not supposed to be easy, but you'll get through it, kid. Yeah, I mean, this is the best George Harrison song that Ringo ever wrote, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> I think it's an excellent song, and I think he really turns in a great vocal performance. Like, it's really strong vocals. And this is one where it really makes you wonder what it would have sounded like on a Beatles record. Hmm. But, you know, alas, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, uh, George played acoustic and electric guitar on this. Klaus Foreman, the bass, Mal Evans on tambourine. Pete Hammond, Tom Evans on vocals. Jim Keltner on maracas. And, of course, our favorite horn section by Unknown. I'm going to assume it was the similar horns that were on All Things Must Pass. It sounds very much the same. That that makes a lot of sense. They use the same dudes. Pretty incestuous in that way. Yes. Um, although Ringo received the sole songwriting credit 
1998, he said during an appearance on VH1 Storytellers, I wrote this song with the one and only George Harrison. Mm. So there A you gift go. from his mate, I would say. Yes. Well, he owed him, which we'll get to. Um, Ringo. <laughs> yes. Although, although Ringo back in 71 admitted that uh, Klaus Vorman taught him guitar. He learned some chords, and then George put in five more chords in the song. And um, that's how they got the song. Uh, the music video is sped up for some reason. Um, like all of these music videos, except for Set of El Journey, it was, it was filmed in uh, his backyard. Uh, why leave that estate if you own an estate? Um, why not? Why not? George did the same thing. That's true. Um, the first session was on the night of February 18th, 1970 at Abbey Road. It was a, a recorded under the work you tell you got to pay your dues. Um, and if, interestingly, that version had Stephen Stills on the piano. Weird. Yeah, they recorded 20 takes of the backing track, but uh, that wasn't the final result. Uh, Don't Come Easy lived up to its name, however. Third version was recorded on March 8, 1970 at Trident Studios. There were more overdubs and blah, blah, blah. An early mix of the sessions has George Harrison on lead vocals, and it has appeared on bootlegs. You could hear it on YouTube, and I must warn you, he does, of course, add a Hare Krishna. (laughs) As is, you know, required. And in fact, Ringo went on to say on VH1 Storytellers that George suggested the last verse be about God. When Star protested, then Harrison suggested Hare Krishna. Star protested again, (laughs) and Harrison suggested peace as a topic, and they settled on that. And then Ringo said, what about love? And George said, no, no, no. (laughs) What, how about fucking peace, all right? How about peace? <laughs> Fine. Peace it is. Peace how, how and... About I, how about I love your wife? Uh, oh, um... Uh, I want a piece of your wife. <laughs> Jesus. Josie Scale, is this song better than your love by the outfield? I say, yeah. I'm gonna agree and give this a yeah. And this is... For the record, the first Ringo song I have given this rating to that in is, the whole canon. That is something else. Yeah. Not even you know, Don't Ringo, Pass Me By. Getting a yeah, Don't Come Easy. Don't Come Easy, but we got it, baby. Yep. Mm-hmm. Loud and finally caved. I caved. Ringo, you so got me. They all caved to Ringo in the end, baby. <laughs> That's right. Early 1970, this was the B-side to A Don't Come Easy. And it's cute. It's Ringo just with each verse going over what each of the lads are up to mm-hmm. on the, from his former bandmates and if they'll play with him again. Um, I love that for John, he references the Plastic Auto band, which he played on. And it's interesting, you know, the way that he's like, I think Paul will play with me again. <laughs> and the others... He definitely does. We'll play with him again. Yeah, it, I thought it was kind of interesting how he's spilling a little bit of tea about his relationship with each of them. Doesn't mm-hmm. seem very Ringo, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's a silly song. It gives you a bit of an aw shucks. There he goes again, kind of feeling. Um, but you know, 
very much a B side. Yeah, I mean it's 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 catchy. Yeah, you know, it's it's light. It's light. Yeah, I mean Ringo is not a, a, a gifted lyricist. We have never no. said this about him. Um, he writes what he knows. It's a Josie scale. I will give it a Josie, but not with uh, prejudice. I feel the same way. It's a Josie. Okay, then his next single was Back Off Boogaloo. <laughs> um, this song is just plain rude. You know, how about you back off, Boogaloo? <laughs> um, I don't know. The more I listen to it, the more monotonous it sounds. Uh, you can march to it, which I don't think was Ringo's intention if he was trying to capture the essence of Mr. T-Rex himself. Yeah, I mean, a lot of T-Rex is actually, is pretty uh, repetitive as well. So he, I think he yeah. does, like, I do, like, think he captures that vibe. And I actually like that vibe because I'm, I'm into T-Rex. Um, I, I like a lot of those records. Uh, I know it's totally aping what Mark Boland's doing, but it's kind of cool to see him try those clothes on. Um, mm. And I think it's kind of funny that of all the Beatles, he would be the one to have a relationship with with T-Rex and Mark Bolin. Yeah, like he was, he Ringo found his way into the zeitgeist again, uh, secondhand. Um, Have you ever seen the movie that he, or the concert film that Ringo quote-unquote directed for T-Rex? I have not. What's it's it called? It's cool. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's really cool. Uh, it's on YouTube. I should find it. Boogaloo and Friends. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh do you remember when Baby Boomerang was in a Gap commercial? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Yeah, I believe it was Gap. It was some commercial, and you know, it's like oh, I, I actually uh, the... learned of that song from that commercial. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and the the movie is called Born to Boogie. <laughs> I see. So, but it's definitely worth a watch. So, yeah, this song was inspired by Mark Bolin. Um, oh, look, it says right here in my notes. Born to <laughs> Star directed in the documentary, Born to Boogie. So, I can confirm. <laughs> so, over dinner one evening at Ringo's home outside London in 1971, Mark Bolin had used the word boogaloo so often, it stuck in Ringo's mind. I wonder how. Beaten, after which the beat, boogaloo, boogaloo, boogaloo. After which the beat and melody for the song came to him overnight. On VH1 Storytellers, Ringo said Bullen was an energized guy. He used to speak. Back off, Boogaloo. Ooh, you Boogaloo. Do you want some potatoes? Ooh, you Boogaloo. Star also, rec- how do you like my Mark Bullen? I think, it's, I think it's excellent, yes. Thank you. I feel, like you're, I feel like I'm looking and listening to the slider right now. Wow. Our star also recalled having to take the batteries out of his children's toys that night in order to power a tape recorder and make a recording of the new song. His kids are like, this song better be good. I need some D-cells. Where are the D-cells? Peace and love and (laughs) D-cells. Despite rumors that Bullen had ghostwritten back off Boogaloo, Star later admitted it was co-written with George Harrison. (laughs) Yeah. The guitarist remained uncredited until 2017. R- Ringo admitted, though, back in 2003, 
that while that he was great at writing two verses in a chorus, but finishing songs is not my forte. I have written songs with 26 verses because I didn't know how to end them. I started writing back on Boogaloo and took it to George to help finish off. Help finish off. Same with Photograph and It Don't Come Easy. Um, Star initially offered back off Boogaloo to Seal the Block to record, but she declined it in the hope of recording Photograph instead. We'll have more on that in a minute. Yes. Um, interestingly, commentators have interpreted the song as an attack by Ringo on Paul McCartney. Star denied any such interpretation. It said claiming that the song was inspired by Mark Bolin and nothing more. But Beatles biographer Robert Rodriguez writes that um, the lyrics to the middle eight in particular have been interpreted uh, as a knock on Paul. And the bridge is, get yourself together now and give me something tasty. Everything you try to do, you know it sure sounds wasted. Okay. Maybe George wrote that. Maybe. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's like, who would he be talking about? That's what I don't understand. Um, he's not talking about Mark Bolin. He's calling him wasted. That sounds very nice. Yeah, he's he's in his house, you know, saying boogaloo. Yeah. He thinks that that's pretty tasty. It's tasty he invites him phrase. over to his house, you know. Yeah. The music video uh, is Ringo trapezing in a garden, uh, his his estate, with Frankenstein's monster. Um, sure. Sure. Uh, Star re-recorded Back on Boogaloo twice for his 1981 album Stop It, Smell the Roses and 2017's Give More Love. So just wait uh, for those episodes, everyone. Yes. <laughs> uh, the one on Stop It, Smell the Roses was produced and featured Harry Nilsson. It contained lyrics from With a Little Help from My Friends, Good Day Sunshine, Baby You're a Rich Man, Help, and Lady Madonna. Josie scale, though, I'm going to give this one a Josie. I agree. It's a Josie. Yeah, it's no baby boomerang. <laughs> no. Blind man. It's a ripoff. <laughs> baby ripoff. Go into the gap. Yeah. Uh, blind man. This song I almost prefer to the A side because of the chorus. Come on, Blue. What are you going to do now? That's perfect for when umpires have a conference amongst themselves, you know. But I never <laughs> hear it at a ballpark. Um, otherwise, I don't know why it couldn't have been the theme song of Ringo's movie of the same name. The score they went with instead isn't anything special. In fact, it's weird. My ass is in the jackpot. What are we gonna do now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like pieces of this, like the strange percussion and the distant electric guitar. Like, it's a little spacey and unsettling. Uh, otherwise, I don't know. It's The song's a little bit of a slog for me. Yeah. So this was the B-side to Back Out Boogaloo. It was supposed to be for uh, the movie Blind Man. Uh, he Springer produced the track Klaus. Uh, Bad Finger guitarist Pete Ham assisted. Like the film, Blind Man was not held in high regard by critics. <laughs> Someone described it as a muddy-sounding dirge with little to recommend. Uh, by contrast, director and author Alex Cox believed the song worked well in the context of the film, 
compared to Cipriani's score, which he considers lazy. And uh, Blind Man is about a blind but deadly gunman hired to escort 50 mail-order brides to their minor husbands. When he is double-crossed by his friends and a Mexican bandit, he heads for Mexico to settle scores and save the women. Uh, Ringo played the second banana, uh, Candy, and uh, Andrew was kind enough to send uh, a tweet that showed 38 seconds of it and uh, <coughs> yes. of Ringo's performance, and my God, that was terrible. That was uh, really bad. Yeah. He has a Mexican accent, and he, to put it in the best way possible, he starts to molest a woman. <laughs> uh, yes. Out of why I laughed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just very uncomfortable. Yeah. Not cool. Uh, Not great. Uh, no, um, you know, they, they say that they don't make movies like they used to, and boy, is that correct. Well, uh. What happened to the, the, the Hayes Code? Jesus. Uh, on a pool table, he does that. I, I'm, I gotta say, I'm really glad we're not covering the, the film works of, of Franco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, wow. Yeah. But hopefully his, his movie will cover... That's right. Goals. With all four, all four films will be, uh, sure. Yeah, the, the memes have, have been great about that. <laughs> if you some, yes, the Beatles cinematic universe. There's been different versions of, uh, like what the future movies are going to be after the original four. Um, yeah. In, in case you haven't heard, they are uh, Sam Mendes is going to direct um, four movies, one about each Beatle. Um, and I think 2027 is when the first one comes out. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's actually my question. Are they all going to come out at the same time? On the same day? Like, that, like, like, a, bar- they... like a bar, like a bar, like a Barbenheimer sort of thing. Barbenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, I mean, I would do it. Wow. Ah, but what would I watch first? I know that's the thing. Like, what's the first one? Yeah, there's there's going to be like a debate over which one you're supposed to see first. Um, yeah, so I guess this podcast will still be going in 2027. That's what I learned. That's awesome. Yeah. Josie Scale, I give this and the movie of all 39 seconds I saw of it a Josie. Yeah, it's uh, it's a Josie, and I don't uh, I don't want to see that film. <laughs> it's not in the Criterion collection, unfortunately. Thank, thank God. Okay, so now we have reached the 1973 album Ringo. It's his magnum opus, probably. We'll see, but probably. Um, this is known sadly as the lone post Beatles album that had all four of the Fabs on it. I never heard it all the way through before doing this research. There were some surprises, not all of them good. Yeah, um, I yeah, <laughs> I hadn't heard this either. But uh, you know, I'd heard the singles, uh, fortunately and unfortunately. Um, but what I like about this record is that he brings—it's a mini version of the All Star Band. Like he just brings everyone to the table every person he knows under the sun and they're all there <laughs> and he thanks them eventually 
Yes, he does. Um, it includes Mark Bolin and Robbie Robertson on electric guitar, Levon Helm on mandolin, uh, Harry Nilsson and Linda McCartney and Richard Petty and Martha Reeves on backing vocals. He has like the the entire band, like uh, the entire the band. The band, yes. Who are Canadian? They are definitely That's, Canadian. They I, they are Canadian. Yes, it's important that we we acknowledge every Canadian. And and we've made a Blues Brothers reference, so we have to note that Steve Cropper from the Blues Brothers band and you know Booker T and the MGs plays electric guitar in this too. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, Ringo is most notable for featuring all four former Beatles, although not all on a single song. John, George, and Ringo featured on the Lennon Penn song on The Greatest. Harrison co-wrote and performed on three other songs, while Paul McCartney wrote and performed on Six O'Clock and sang kazoo-style vocals on Your 16. We'll get to that. Uh-huh. The album topped the charts in Canada, Spain, and Sweden. It was a top 10 hit in Australia, the Netherlands, Italy, Norway, Japan, the U.S., and the U.K. It was kept off the top spot on the U.S. Billboard 200 by Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, <laughs> although atop the cash box of record world charts. Damn you, Elton. Following the commercial success of the singles, John Lennon sent Star a telegram saying, Congratulations, how dare you? And please write me a hit song. <laughs> An instrumental version of Ringo titled Startling Music was produced by David Henschel and released in the UK on April 18, 1975. It was the first release on Star's label, Ringo O. The instrumental album was eventually given a US release in 1979. Uh, There were 91 people on the cover. Some are made up. The rest include, among others, John, Paul, and George, Linda... McCartney, Yoko Ono, The Eggman, Terry Southern, Mal Evans, Mark Bolin, Harry Nelson, Hilary Gerard, Ringo's financial advisor, and Blue <laughs> Nun, a popular drink during the sessions. I now am decreeing that the Sergeant's Pep- Sergeant Pepper Good Time podcast needs to do this record next. Oh, no. <laughs> I am speaking this into the universe. Gentlemen, you know what to do. They're cursing you right now. They don't know why. Yeah, he does not know why. So hey, I just uh, got a I just got a push notification on my watch that our podcast is out. Oh, cool. I also just got a push notification. This very pod, not well. Yeah, this you know our our prior episode. The George episode. All things must pass. Oh, uh, wow. How about that? Oh, and hey, I also just got a text message from my friend Joe saying, how dare you? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> that would be too crazy. Back off, Boogaloo. I'm not doing that. Back off, Boogaloo. Pass the syrup, Boogaloo. So it's so this Ringo starts with, I'm the greatest. Uh, mm-hmm. I was on the greatest show on earth for what it was worth. This should be considered one of the best Beatles and Beatles related meta songs. And what a surprise, John Lennon wrote it. Yeah. Um, it works on a personal level. Sometimes you think you're king shit of fuck mountain, and other times it's a joke you'd even think of that. Um, and maybe I'm just speaking for it myself. 
Um, I also love how Ringo really goes for it vocally towards the end. I can't think of another time his voice gets hoarse other than when he announced he had blisters on his fingers at the end of Helter <laughs> Skelter. Yeah, it's totally unsurprising that John wrote the song in context. Uh, I'd love a good meta state of the band song. Uh, one of my favorite bands, Sloan, does that all the time, specifically one of the songwriters. Uh, there's lots of clever bits here. It's a fun like look at his whole career up to this point in a short brief time. Um, this was recorded with Ringo, John and George present on bass was Klaus Vorman, the Paul replacement. Right. And the session of course prompted global news reports that the Beatles had reunited with Klaus replacing Paul. Nope. No. The Klaustals. No, I don't think so. Um, On December 20th, 1970, a week after learning that McCartney intended to sue his bandmates in the British High Court, Lennon began writing on The Greatest. He was inspired to write the song after watching the first UK television broadcast of A Hard Day's Night. Uh, Through much of... um, So, on The Greatest was a sarcastic comment on his past... He took the song's title from a catchphrase adopted by Muhammad Ali, whom the Beatles had met in February 1964, shortly before filming A Hard Day's Night. And it was interesting, at the time he was Cassius Clay, and he was about to fight Sonny Liston, and John Lennon, um, out of earshot of Cassius Clay, complained, like, oh, why do we uh, take pictures with the loser? Hmm. (laughs) The guy is going to (laughs) lose. Eh, wrong. Um, working at his home studio in Tittenhurst Park, Lennon taped demos of a new composition and also of Make Love Not War, a song he recorded formally as Mind Games in 1973. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So when Starr approached his three former bandmates for songs to record for his first pop solo album, Ringo, John had a song ready for him. Uh, John tailored a track to suit Ringo's perspective. Lennon later said that although the song title was a well-known single of Ali's, he did not feel he could sing it himself without attracting controversy, whereas people wouldn't get upset if the statement came from Ringo. Yes. I think that's true. Yeah. Yoko assisted in completing the lyrics by contributing lines about Star's wife and children. Oh. And Ringo said who? Uh, what? Huh? Josie Scale, I give this a yeah. I like this song, but I'm still going to give it a Josie. I think it's, for me, it's close, but I'd still rather listen to Your Love by the Outfield. Now, if John didn't write the song, (laughs) would would that change your mind? No, I don't think it's anything to do with John. It's like, you know what this kind of reminds me of is... um, with all the bits, it reminds me of, like, You Know My Name, Look Up the Number a little bit. Huh. It's much catchier. and Oh, for poppy. sure. No, it's yeah. abs- no, absolutely. It's more just like the... Uh, I know what you mean, the, yeah. The doing bits thing. <laughs> I'm doing a bit. I'm, 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 I'm doing a bit. I mean, I'm and just that's, doing a bit. Have you seen my baby? 
is the song that's on track two. This was the opening track on Randy Newman's 12 Songs album in 1970. Um, I think it's probably smart to cover a Randy Newman track because it'd be pretty hard for it to sound like the original because Newman is so... Randy Newman, he's idiosyncratic. Um, So this song is about trying to stay with a woman who runs off with the milkman and gypsies and regular old strangers. This is nothing special from Randy, but it's an interesting choice by Ringo, especially for second track on his pop album. Um, And it's interesting, we know his main collaborator had an affair with his wife around the time this Newman song came out. Yeah, Yeah. about that. In case you don't know, George uh, had an affair with Maureen uh, Ringo's wife, and John seemed to be the only one who cared. He called it incestuous. But it didn't seem like Ringo cared that much. I'm sure he, probably because he stepped out on his relationship, his marriage. Yes. But, um, no, it seems to be, the, he, he was like, well, uh, you'll write songs for me, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, this is a, this is a Josie for me. I agree. It's a Josie. Then we have Photograph. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta say, never understood the massive appeal of this one. It sounds so sunny, but it's depressing. This guy only has a photograph to remember this woman by. She isn't even on social media, apparently. <laughs> it also just feels like it could have used a key change. You know, Ringo isn't in his comfort zone vocally. He doesn't sound bad, but I just wait for his voice to crack at any second, no matter how many times I hear it. Yeah, I, I like that he's pushing the limits of his vocal here. Like, I, I think it's always great to hear someone... Just just go for it. I think the appeal of this song is mostly because it sounds like a George Harrison song that's sung by Ringo. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree it could have probably used a key change, but I've always really enjoyed this song, and I will definitely turn it up when it comes on uh, Q104.3. <laughs> but how often? No, don't look at that. But how often? Um, We're not doing that don't, game. Don't, no, 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 not today. <laughs> that's not. Um no, I mean, I'm all for challenging yourself, but, uh, you know, to quote The Simpsons, you know, a challenge you could do would be, you know, uh, reference. Uh, that's a Lisa quote that I butchered. Uh, I paraphrased. Um, so, yeah, it was covering with George. Um, they began writing it in the south of France in May 1971 on board a yacht, the, Mar- of course. Mar- the Marilla, which Star had hired while attending the Cannes Film Festival. Harrison and his wife Patty joined Star in the yacht. Also visiting was Lucilla Black, who expressed an interest to record photograph. She was reportedly told, No, it's too bloody good for you. I'm having it myself. Yeah. A promotional video was filmed, of course, at Springo's home in Tittenhurst Park which featured him miming the song while walking in the state's grounds. Um, the video is on YouTube. It's not on Ringo's official YouTube channel, and it's probably because it ends with him shoving a woman to the ground. <laughs> Again, Why? I'm laughing out of discomfort. Uh, not because yeah. it's funny. I don't no. know. Uh, I don't know. 
he most of the video he's not pushing women, <laughs> and then at the very end, good. He was like ninety nine percent of the time he is not. You that. know what we could just do? You know, instead of a slow fade out, let's just do a quick fade out. <laughs> Abrupt cut. Abrupt cut. cut. Very European. Um, photograph was a smash hit, topping the singles charts in Australia, Canada, the U.S. of A. In the U.K., Pete in number eight. It was a top ten hit in Belgium, Ireland, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, South Africa, Switzerland, and West Germany. The West is the in, best. Very bad. In 2013, Starr published a collection of his photography, naturally titled Photograph. <laughs> Josie Scale, I give this a Josie. I'm going to disagree and give this song a yeah. The second yeah to a Ringo song. Second yeah for a Ringo song. Sunshine Life for Me, parentheses, Sail Away Raymond. So this was clearly an example of an artist writing something that doesn't fit their image at all, so they give it away to someone else. Sabbath's of music and stand-up comedy. Um... George wrote this for Ringo. Do you have any hot takes on sea shanties, Loudon? Uh, not especially. I mean, if the kids want to look to the sea, then shanty away. I do like uh, Mariner's Revenge Song by the Decemberists. Uh, it was a big... Sea shanties were a big TikTok trend. They sure so. were. I, I'm... I'm not on TikTok, but I am on Reels like a goddamn adult. Um, <laughs> so I see the the, the joke with the jo- the joke with Reels is I'm an adult, so I see the TikTok memes of weeks later on Reels. <laughs> well, at least you're not on Facebook where you never see it. Fair enough. Uh, in addition to Star and George, the musicians on the track include Lee Von Helm, Robbie Robertson, Rick Denko, and Garth Hudson of the band, mm. and multi-instrumentalist mm. David Bromberg. George wrote the song in Ireland while staying with Donovan. There he is again. He's back! He's back, baby! In a contrast with the reconciliatory mood among the four ex-Beatles when the song was recorded, the visit occurred shortly after the London High Court's ruling on the dissolution of the band, in March 1971. The composition reflects the influence of Irish folk music as well as aspects of country, hootenanny, and the sea shanty tradition. In his lyrics, Harrison espouses an escape from modern life for the tranquility of nature. The Raymond was a lawyer hired by Alan Klein, the manager of George, Ringo, and John, to represent the three former Beatles and Apple in the high court action initiated by Paul. In I, Me, Mine, Harrison says that Raymond was in my mind at the time, hence the instruction for him to sail away. I guess that's less rude than to tell him to back off Boogaloo. Sure. Josie Scale, I give this a Josie. I agree. It's a Josie. You're 16. Thank God it's a cover. Oh, boy. This just reminds me of how back in the day it used to be considered cool in some circles to get with 16-year-old girls. Um, musically, I love it. Um, I love hearing Harry Nielsen's background vocals, especially. And I think this style of song suits Ringo's voice and his persona well. Lyrically, 
No, thank you. Uh, I also just can't believe he still plays this live every night. You would think. You would think. You would. You would think. You know, you, you, Boogaloo, you, Boogaloo yeah. would think. Uh, I, at least he's yeah. not like, hey, any sixteen-year-old. <laughs> at least I hope he doesn't do that. You know, I've never. I, I must admit to have not uh, see ha- having seen Mr. Ringo Starr live. Probably should. Um, Me neither. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe we should go next time. Um, yeah, let's, but let's do it. Let's do it. Let's have a. We'll have a concert report from We Can Pot It Out of Rico's All Star. Reporting live. Yes. Did you? Re- I love. I loved Colin Hayes set in the middle. Sixteen-year-old um, uh, count. Uh, uh, zero. Zero. We are the youngest people here. Yes. Um, the original Your 16 was written by the pair of brothers Robert and Richard Sherman. It was first recorded by Johnny Burnett, whose version reached number 8 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 December 1960, and number 3 on the U.K. Singles Chart 61. In January 74, the song taken from Ringo hit number 1 on the Billboard Hot 100. Number 1. Mm. Uh, this performance reunited Ringo with Paul. Although Paul's credited on the liner notes as how he played the solo out of kazoo, apparently he actually did it with his voice, which is really impressive. <laughs> He's talented. I'll tell yeah. give him that. You got to give him that. Harry Nilsson sang backy vocals, as mentioned. Nicky Hopkins is plays the piano. Um. In its 1978 music video, which was an excerpt of Star's TV movie Ringo, features Carrie Fisher as Star's love interest. Yes. And and uh, the whole special is on uh, YouTube. I wouldn't say it's worth your time, but it's definitely not bad. I mean, it's it's you'll be entertained. It's um, 48 minutes long. It's not Blind Man. Um, the best line is uh, Art Carney plays Ringo's father, Ringo's doppelganger's father, and then him and Ringo switch places. Uh, him and his doppelganger, like the Prince of the Popper, and then at one point, Art Carney does Ringo's like, "No, I'm Ringo Starr," and Art Carney's like, "Oh yeah, well I'm Sir Lawrence Olivier," and Ringo says, "I loved you in King Lear." Uh, that was, that was my that's really good uh, also features Angie Dickinson for a second John Ritter, Vincent Price Carrie Fisher and George Harrison with a perm um, apparently Carrie Fisher was a big fan of Ringo's and she couldn't wait to do it but you know they're performing You're 16 and he's kissing her with a beard like yeah he does not look great in that music video? No. No, he, like he looks, uh, I don't know, old. Well, maybe he was, I think he was portraying his doppelganger. Okay. I, I, I'll admit to not having watched the special. But I did watch that music video, and I was like, oh, thank God it's shorter than the song. Yeah. Um, and his, he played, Ringo played himself, and Anger Rats, which is Ringo Star backwards. Quite a name. 
Josie scale, this is a Josie for sure. Yes, 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 Josie. <laughs> Paul's like, yeah, thanks. I get to play on this. Yeah. Oh, my, my. Uh, this song is about the world's worst doctor. <laughs> prescribes dancing to a guy with weak knees. This is four plus minutes of silliness. I will say that fittingly, if we were judging songs by danceability, this would be a winner. Yeah, you make me feel like dancing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dance the night away. Uh, lots of chat about boogieing and boogalooing today. Mm. Uh, very strange. Uh, I too could dance to this song, but you know, it's it's not the greatest. It's not the best on this record. It's not, it's not the greatest. Dude. No, no. So this was co-written by Ringo and Vinny Poncia. Uh, P-O-N-C-I-A, a recurrent collaborator of Ringo's during the 1970s, and, and he ended up uh, producing Peter Chris's solo album and then some Kiss albums. And he co-wrote I Was Made For Loving You, uh, which <laughs> is a hit song. Yes. So how about that? I'll give uh, that song a yeah. Really? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I do enjoy some Kiss, for sure. Sure. Yeah. Mostly um, um mostly Paul Stanley's stage banter. People should okay. check out People Let Me Get This Off My Chest on YouTube. Okay. I think I'll yes. be doing that after <laughs> yes. we finish recording. People let me get this off my chest. It's great. Okay. Is it a, is it anything like Robert Pollard's relaxation of the asshole? I have not I don't know what that is. What is That's, that? It's just an album of Robert Pollard's stage banner. Uh, it's exa- I mean, uh, based on your description, it's entirely that. Okay. He, maybe Pollard got the idea from... Uh, probably. <laughs> probably. So, Oh My Mind was a single, and it peaked at number five on the Billboard Hot 100, number three in Canada. Um, it was one of the most successful songs of Ringo's career so far. That being said, it's a Josie for me. Uh, I agree. It's a Josie for me as well. Step lightly. Song as promise. Ringo tap dances on it. It's about slowing your <laughs> roll. That heartbreak doesn't last forever, and you just have to find someone else, someone you're more compatible with. Easy for him to say, though. Yeah, I mean, he's the greatest after all. And a freaking Beatle. Dun, dun, dun. Freaking ex Beatle. Ex Beatle. Once a beetle, always a beetle. Uh, yeah, fair. Yeah. This is a Josie. Uh, it's a Josie, yes. Six o'clock. Sounds like a run of the mill, George reference. Hmm. Piano driven yes. song. Um, almost Muzak, a genre Paul might have created. Treat your woman better, Ringo. Yeah, this is not a great Ringo song, and it's not a good Paul song either. <laughs> For no. that matter. <laughs> this was written by Paul and Linda. Um, basically, Ringo already had John and George involved, and he said to Paul, you don't want to be left out, do you? Um, <laughs> Paul said, uh, fending off the reunion rumors during Wings' UK tour in May 73, McCarty said that writing the song at 6 o'clock and recording with Ringo had merely been an act of friendship. Adding, I would do it for any friend. As an example, McCarty stated he would do the same for singer Rod Stewart 
if he rang up, a comment that led to Stewart phoning him and requesting his song. <laughs> oh, Rod. Oh, and McCarty, I guess, with his hand being forced, uh, wrote, Mine for Me, which he and Linda recorded with Rod Stewart for the latter's 74 album, Smiler. Smiler. Anyway, you 6 O'Clock well. is a pop piano ballad in a style that offered Bruce Spicer views as typical of the contemporary music of the McCartney's new group Wings, whose album Red Rose Speedway they had just completed. Sleeping in a big brown man. Have you seen um, the TV special James Paul McCartney? No. That came out in 73. Um, Paul with his bullet. It's it's an hour of songs, of music video, of a lot of wing songs, and he does play Yesterday at the end. Um, cool. Yeah, you'd like it. It's on the YouTubes. Um, Ringo played on drums and did the lead vocals. Paul played piano and synthesizer and sang backing vocals with Linda. And guess what? Klaus was the bassist. Klaus and <laughs> Paul in the same room. Oh! I love uh, how we're manifesting a, a, a rift between Paul and Klaus. <laughs> there has to have been. I mean, come on. I mean, sh- I mean, sure, but it's not like you know Paul didn't know Klaus from back in the day. Sure, but then it, Klaus just took his job. <laughs> Do you think he wanted that job? No, but you know, it's still, it's like on yeah. Seinfeld: summer me, winter me. Uh, Anyway, this is a Josie. <laughs> great reference. Uh, yes, it's a Josie. It's a great reference that you didn't respond to at all for like five minutes. I'm just, and then... I'm just thinking about it. Uh, okay. Oh my god. It's a thinker. <laughs> it's a thinker. <laughs> Devil woman. Oh. Um, there's a line in it called I, that says, uh, I want to beat you up. Then I want to be kind. And that was summed up best by a genius attributor who wrote Ringo WTF. <laughs> um, yes. So this was co-written with the Kiss guy. So you can't blame John this time around. Yeah. Um, hey, but, you know, we get a sexy Sadie reference in it. So that's cool. Um, I like the driving drums and the guitar track. It kind of feels a bit like um, Jump Into the Fire by Harry Nielsen, like feels adjacent to that. Um, but with that being said, I don't think I would listen to this song again. I didn't hear the jump into the fire until you mentioned it. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I do hear it too. I, Thankfully, this song yeah. isn't seven minutes long too. Yes. Uh, Josie for sure. Uh-huh, it's a Josie. You and me, parentheses, babe. So Mal Evans finally gets a songwriting credit. Um... Unfortunately, all people talk about this song, though, is George's guitar playing and how Ringo breaks the fourth wall at the end by basically reciting the credits to the album. Yes. It's a weird touch to end a record that way, but if not Ringo, then who? Well, two years later, John did the same thing uh, at the end of his rock and roll album. So. Oh, real? Okay. Exciting. Hashtag Ringo did it. Hashtag Ringo did it. Um... So yeah, George wrote it with Mal. 
Um, the track serves as a farewell from Star to his audience in a matter of a show closing finale by lyrically referring to the completion of the album, which um, was new at the time. I don't know one had thought to do that before. Very showbiz, I'll say. Um, it's a Josie, however. I agree, it's a Josie. And finally, the B-side to photograph Down and Out. Um, The horns are nice. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lyric, I looked in the fridge and saw someone looking at me, and that's really interesting, but Ringo didn't explore that. (laughs) Now, that's a song I would listen to gladly. (laughs) Yeah. He was freezing. <laughs> that reminds me of Mad Men, but I'm not going to say what because you never saw it. So. I have not seen Mad Men, but maybe no. other people in the audience have. Well, uh, there in the final episode, uh, someone he says that nobody cares about him, and he he feels like he's a, a Coke bottle. I think like in a refrigerator, like the light turns on. And someone sees him, but then they close the door. You know, it, it, he said it more profoundly. Uh, anyway, well, he is John um, Ham. John Ham didn't say it, but John Ham did uh, hug the person who said it because mm. it was so moving. Um. So yeah, Ringo recorded the song in England, backed by George, pianist Gary Wright, and Klaus Foreman. Uh, George produced. Down and out is a 12-bar blues with what, with what star biographer Alan Clayson describes as perfunctory lyrics. Uh, the recording includes solos from George on slide guitar and from Gary Wright. Perry's, uh, Richard Perry, who produced the album, subsequently added a horn section, resulting in him being credited as co-producer of the track. So, okay, on this song, he co-produced. Um, it's a Josie. I agree. It's a Josie. Andrew's thinking about it. Oh, okay. Here we go. Um, yeah, so this album, so that's it. That's Ringo. Um, not a lot of Josies. Um, we yeah. disagreed, but I think we had two, we liked two or three each. Yeah, I liked two songs. Uh, you know, I think overall, when it comes to this output of Ringo, you know, he's he's trying stuff. He's bringing his friends in. He's getting a little help from his friends. Uh, uh, and we're, we're, we're exploring themes that he will continue to do throughout the the rest of his storied career. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, we're not going to talk about Ringo for a while. We have to cover John and Paul f- fighting, and uh, you know, George is Bangladesh yes. phase, and but we'll get back to Mister Star in due time. Uh, ne- up next, we're going to cover Instant Karma! Exclamation point. And John Lennon's first proper solo album, Plastic Ono Band. I'm one of us is really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it too. I, I have not heard I mean I've heard Instant Karma thousands of times. Um but I've not heard the Plastic Ono Band record, so I'm excited oh, to hear it. 
Well, we'll see. We will see. Yes, I guess so. The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfield a lot. So are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Someday we'll judge if they're fine. Oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine.